an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors, that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text Wondery Pod to 500 500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 808. The Hawaii the episode. Oh, good call. I was going drum machine, you and Hawaii. Both quality 808s. Not li- yeah, it's not literally Hawaii. It's just 808. That's their same area code. It's yeah. my favorite. I like, I like the 808. A, yeah. And the 404. Yeah. City not found. Number palindromes. Uh, Duncan Jones is on the podcast today. Ooh. He's going to be promoting Warcraft, which is in theaters June 10th. And also. You can watch the Warcraft 360 video. We made a 360 video over at uh, the Nerdist headquarters, which will be up soon on Nerdist.com. But uh, God damn it, I like that Duncan Jones. He is a real cool guy. <laughs> he's fucking cool, and he's really funny, and he's he was very open and very honest and sweet, and and uh, I don't know. I feel like i got to make him hang out with me more. Yeah. I'm going to start friend-stalking him. I like it. A little bit. Keep bringing a 3D camera around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just sit around. We'll just walk around in circles around the camera. Don't and then we can like virtually friend stock both of you, and then it just becomes this uh, weird, you know, Cronenbergian onion. And he legitimately works on stuff that he likes. Like yeah. he's not—he's the real deal. I did not know what to expect, and I was genuinely impressed by the man. So please go see Warcraft, which is June 10th, uh, and we have a Nerdist Community Corkboard, I believe. I do. Kyle Clark, would you like to hip us to your vibe, man? Uh, yeah, I've got one. It's Scares That Care Weekend. Chris, you and I are both horror movie fans. I believe we are. This uh, this is a, a retired cop who's obsessed with horror movies, set up a whole horror convention where all the proceeds go to help sick children. Oh, man. It's, uh, That's it's in, so nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, helping sick children and doing it with terrifying monsters. It's in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's July 24th through 26th. Go to scaresthecareweekend.com. And uh, every year, one of their mainstays who shows up every year, because he also likes helping sick children, none other than my friend and yours, Sid Haig. Oh, Sid Haig! He sent Captain you to Spalding. your death. He spoke in my drama class a bunch of times back in high school and was super cool to me. I love this man. I got blood all over my good clown suit. <laughs> Captain Spaulding for president. Captain Spaulding for president. So there we go. So go to scaresthecareweekend.com. Williamsburg, Virginia. The other time. Williamsburg. Although if you live in Williamsburg, Virginia, you're like, uh, fucking it's, no. It's the, the one original over there is the other Williamsburg. We're the original Williamsburg. Like the founding ass Williamsburg. That's right. You can't get more hipster than that. No, no. We were Williamsburg before fucking Williamsburg, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Katie? Katie? 
I want to plug some of the other shows we have on the network. The Bachelorette is back. What? So the Bachelorette, Bachelor, Bachelorette podcast we have, um, hosted by Artem Marine and Aaron Foley called Will You Accept This Rose, is back on. It's so funny. It's like one of my favorite podcasts to work on. I love it. We've had Patrick Brewster on. We had Fortune Feimster. It's it's a good time. So make sure to check that out. Uh, also, Chewing It has had some really great guests lately. And then uh, the Jackie and Lori yeah. show, which Kyle is producing. And we have so many more. So go to Nerdist.com and click on podcast. Great. And then um, I will be on the East Coast in a bunch of uh, smaller towns doing the brand new ID10T tour. Nice. Which are jokes that were not in the Fun Comfortable special. Very fun. And I'm at the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in two weeks. If you guys are in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, you guys should Georgia. come out. And you're near the vortex, and you see a comedy club nearby around the corner. You walk in there Gonna and be see Kyle Clark. Uh, here's another podcast number eight oh eight with Mr. Duncan Jones. Now entering Nerdist.com. I guess this is the Nerds Podcast in 360. Uh, Duncan Jones, here we are in a 360 environment. Is this the first one? Is this the first 360? This, you're the first 360 that we've done. Wow. Yeah, we're the, no! no! Yeah, it's <laughs> just like watching. You were, we were walking in circles before. If we walked around this entire... <laughs> people could actually follow the entire... But then I feel like what's going to happen is, for the most part... Watching this in 360, you know, if people start looking down at your shoes, then you really are not. Yeah, we've lost them. <laughs> We're not doing a good job. They already are looking around all over the place. But uh, what are you? How did this incorporate with uh, with Warcraft? And what 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 elements of this did you guys pull in? Well, I mean, uh, Warcraft is is obviously massive, and there's a, a huge universe and world that we're trying to create. And we built an awful lot of sets, so we actually have a lot of environments. I think that are going to you're, you're going to be able to look at and experience in this 360 in this VR. Um, we built something called Elwyn Forest, which is an environment that a lot of people who play the game will be familiar with. Um, and just to get the scale of that, and to create something that actually felt like the game, we decided to to build it rather than try try and find a real forest that would that would match it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you can see some of that, and the, just the scale of it is massive. What do you do with a forest once you build it? Picnics, romantic walks. <laughs> is it still there? <laughs> no, no. It's. I mean, so much of that stuff is crazy. That you you spend so much time building these in t- incredible places, and then everything just gets scrapped um, at the end of shooting. I mean, I mean, they keep it for a little while just in case you need to go back and do reshoots. Sure. But then it's gone, and it, and it, it it drives you crazy because you know I, I've I've been fortunate that I've done a few films where we've done some pretty in, incredible builds. And all of them are gone now. There's like none of these things exist anymore. None of these places exist, which I think is kind of cool when you get films like Harry Potter when they, they go to Universal and they build like a section of it so you can go visit it. Yeah, I, I visited it. <laughs> I got this Hogwarts shirt. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, that's Hogwarts amazing. Hogwarts crest, yeah. I was that's there. very cool. You, I, le- I left with way more wands than I came in with. I'll just say that. But it is, it's almost... Well, you were excited. I was very expect. excited. Yeah, I needed a Death Eater wand as well as an Elder wand, all right? Okay, I just felt like they needed to balance each other. And I needed the holder that they could both sit in. <laughs> but it, it, almost, it almost feels like 
you spend so much time creating this environment that your job as a director is basically just to scrapbook it. Like you need to you need to save as much of it as you can. It's tragic. So I mean, I'm, you I'm very fortunate. My my wife comes with me wherever I work, and she's a photographer, so she takes all these great pictures of what's going on. Otherwise, there really would be nothing other than the film, of course, right. to to remember the experience. Because you know, half the fun. Um, is is making it and being in these places that you sort of have worked with people to come up with, um, you know that's that's just an amazing experience to be on a on a set of a place that you just had as a as a written description on in a script. What do you think was the most incredible achievement in terms of what you were able to build when you when you when you saw it? You were like, holy shit! I never thought we'd be able to construct that. The throne room was pretty impressive. Um, it just just it's it's such a an iconic environment in the game and then to actually be able to you know work with Gavin Bouquet and the guys who 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 designed it to sort of transfer it into a real world environment rather than the more stylized environment from the game and then have this fantastic throne and that that whole room built in 360 so you go in there and you really do feel like you're you're in the game at that point i really feel if if i were able to take something I don't even think the thing that I would want isn't even the biggest thing. I just want Medivh's lair. Like if I could just have that <laughs> as, yeah. as my house, I would be very happy. That I mean, that's that's one of those ones where we 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 overbuilt, we overspecced on that one. <laughs> we built this incredible environment, and I think in the film you probably get like thirty percent of it, rather than actually how much of that place we built. But that was that was a that was a phenomenal environment too. Um, no, that was that was great. I mean, extras, you know, just shoot extras. Like, you just, yeah, absolutely. You just, you just run around and shoot stuff and go. I know this isn't going to be in the movie, but I just need to <laughs> capture this. It's going to be well, use it for something. Well, if some it wasn't point. such a security issue, I wish like all the crew just had cameras and they could all just like getting extra footage of all of the stuff we were doing because there was never enough time to sort of capture all of the behind the scenes things that were going on, which were just as you know fun for you know for people like me who love filmmaking and what goes on to do it to be able to see all that stuff. You know, that's 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 a lot of fun. Well, you need to do is get legendary to build a, a basically a warcraft land warcraft like you need world. a theme park like a, a, a like yeah a a world of warcraft if you will where like, as you as you go in through the front gates they basically challenge you to a duel and beat right. you that's right well, you, or you you know you you pick a side there's like two there's yeah, two gates two parks. like two parks you go through one portal to go through here you go to another portal if you you know if you want to be alliance you go this way if you want to go hard you go this way i think this film would have to do over a million dollars before that happens one million, one million dollars one it's impossible who has that kind of money duncan who has that kind of money I mean, it's does the did the scale of this movie terrify you at all when you because I know you're I know you've been a gamer your entire life I know you're the real deal guy I know the for you know we've discussed the forums that you used to hang out in and the stuff that so you obviously understood the gravity super yes super I still have to play this game (laughs) but you you understood the gravity of taking of this undertaking and so how did you approach that. Uh, I surrounded myself with the best of of nerds and geeks that I could find. <laughs> no, I mean, I had amazing people around me, and a lot of them were very, very familiar um, with with what Warcraft is and what it means to people. 
um, whether it's you know Bill Westenhofer, who is my VFX supervisor, was a longtime player of Warcraft. Rob Kaczynski, who I'm sure you've you know yeah. you've you've met, he's he he has his stories that he tells you about how it saved his life. Yeah, um, because it really it 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 really was something that he was so into and that he played for such a long time. And at a point in his in his life where he needed to reintegrate into life, you know, I mean, the, between them and, and and Jeff White at ILM, there's just so many people who are hardcore and long term players of the game that we all we all knew what it was that we wanted the film to be even before, you know, the, the sort of studio did. Yeah. So we were just kind of pushing the way, saying, no, this is it. This is, what it's, this is what it needs to be. And did it, when you started, was there a moment when you started working on the film where you started to feel like, oh, I think it's kind of falling into place? Like, maybe, maybe before that day you go, I don't know, I don't know, and then you show up and you go, oh. Every stage, every stage. I mean, I think we, we worked with this incredible guy, a guy called Wei Wang, and he has a... a a fantastic name. Yes. And he also has a fantastic uh, history. He was a, a fan of Warcraft, based in China, didn't speak any English, started sending in fan artwork um, for, of, of uh, characters and elements of the game. They were so blown about, away by his work, they actually brought him across to the U.S. to work for Blizzard. Oh, wow. So he became our lead creature uh, designer. Um, and did all of the artwork that became Duritan and Blackhand and Orgrim and all of our and Draka and all of our main characters, um, and just sort of having that um, again. It's it's all about it coming from fans yeah. through through this uh, through this amazing opportunity to make a big film like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is the ultimate fan film. I mean, it, it really it is the ultimate is fan, fan film. film. But you know, I saw it. I saw it a year ago. I think I right. saw a cut of it a year ago. Yeah, and I didn't feel like. And obviously, listen. You know, Legendary owns us, and you work for them, so I'm sure people what? expect us to go. It's like the Wait greatest. a second. I know. Wait a second. I'm sorry. Well, that's what that that's what that symbol is right there that people can. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the that's the crest. But um, did you get the tattoo? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I had to. It was required. Yeah, yeah. it was required. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it's how they scan me when I come into work. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I really honestly did. I, I was able to enjoy the film from two different perspectives of, of, you know, understanding stuff about the game and seeing the Easter eggs that are in there that if you're a fan, you understand. But it didn't feel so exclusive that yeah. if, I didn't, if I didn't know what Warcraft was, I mean, it's just a really great fantasy tale between these two races that are both fighting for what they believe in. And, and I don't – that's a pretty basic story, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I, I went in there with two hats on. I went in there as a fan – and wanting to get it right for the fans. But I also went in there as, as hopefully a filmmaker that, that sort of knows what I want to do as far as telling stories. Um, and, and I think it, it was absolutely essential to me that it had to work in its own right as a film. Yeah. So at, on, a, on a very kind of a, a practical level, I wanted this to be a film that, was, that moved beyond just fans of the game to really to a, to a, a broader audience. And, 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 you know, that was my priority. That was my agenda. It's got to be weird you've been sitting with it for so long and we're just on we're just on the precipice of everyone's going to see it yeah. you know it's just going to be out there in the world and it's not going to it's not really yours anymore at that point does that does that feel <laughs> weird like once you release it to the fans you know as a fan of stuff it's like it kind of becomes theirs it's that's true and 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 it's interesting because you know i think every stage of i would imagine any franchise or any kind of pre-existing universe where you're kind of building a film from it whether it's Star Wars or comic books or video games, um, every additional iteration of the story becomes the new lore. Yeah. You know? And you kind of you are now establishing what is going to be canon for future things which get made. 
Um, and right now, I'm not canon. Right now, <laughs> right now, I'm anti-canon. Right. <laughs> you know, now now I'm the thing that that people who who are fans of it are maybe a little bit suspicious of. But hopefully, they'll see the film and they'll feel, yeah, this was this was made with love and respect for what it is that we we are are fans of, and and they'll bring that into into their hearts. I just hope people are. I hope people open go in open minded because I feel like it's like I Netflix just announced today they're going to do Death Note. Yeah, and so I tweeted. I was like, "Hey, this is really awesome. Netflix yeah. is going to take a crack at Death Note," and a lot of people are very excited. But there are a couple of like, "Well, this is going to suck." And it's like <laughs> you don't know anything about it. You've you don't just even seen... have to finish saying Death Note. It's just death. Oh, it's going to suck. And also, if you kind of look at historically, like Netflix has done a pretty good job. Like yeah. even if you look at the evidence of what they've done, it's like, but there are some people that no matter what. Just come in Com- because compulsive contradictors. I well, yes, because <laughs> because you know, as as fans, and and we, because things get very per- things become very personal to us, and we don't want to get hurt. Yeah, and so no, we just I think that are like this, the, the, like the defensive posture is going to yeah. be like, well, this has to suck. It's going to suck because yeah. I I can control that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, they, they didn't get under my skin. I, you know, I I didn't feel anything, so so I'm kind of protected from from uh, from opening up to it to it. I'm always excited as a fan when someone takes a crack at something because. You know, it could suck or it could be great, but even if it sucks, it doesn't. You know, this idea that something's ruined because you didn't like a version of it. That, yeah. Well, that's your you you. you you can still love the thing that you love. You don't have to like the new thing. Yeah. If you don't, that's your prerogative and that's your right. But it doesn't. But I think it's I think it's ridiculous to say like, well, it's all ruined now. And I feel like people <laughs> have such a let's knock everything off the table kind of a thing. I just want people to be more open minded about their fandoms and not so no, so I, closed off. It, it it's it's hard, and I, and I agree with you. But I mean, is, is there anything that you would feel so precious about that you would just like? Oh no, don't do that. Don't touch that. That's too important to me. Yeah, if someone was like, we're going to make an American version of Doctor Who, I'd be like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. So, I mean, I say this, and I know I have things. You didn't, you didn't like the idea of that with Bruce Campbell? Well, I, <laughs> I think that would be like a fun... I think you would like have a spoof to, Doctor you Who. You would almost. have to yes, you would like have to justify special. it as like a Christmas special, yeah. or like a comic relief special, or as like maybe a... Um, even if they said like there was a tear in the universe, and this thing split off, and yeah. like... As long as it had some tether. Look at you retconning the universe. I know, well, I'm trying because <laughs> I love Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, although I think Bruce. You don't have to have all of your favorite desserts in one bowl. I, th- I think Bruce would make a better master, though. I honestly think Bruce mm. would make a pretty great master yeah. than, a, than, a, than a doctor. But that's my, uh, you know. So I do, I, do, I do give the big dad speech about, come on, you kids. But I also know that you're right. I do, I do have things where I. I go, yeah, I don't know if I would... Um. I'm sure he's got other things that he'd rather do, but I'd love to see Idris Elba as Doctor Who. Idris Elba would be... He could do anything, to be honest. Spectacular. I think he would have been an amazing Bond. I really think yeah. he would have been such a spectacular Bond, but that yeah. guy is... Do you know him? Uh, no, I met him once very briefly at one of Edgar Wright's things, but it, he's very tall. He's and he is. I'm very short though, so a, you're not. <laughs> I'm stocky. We're 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 medium size. I'm, I'm built we're for medium, dwarf mocap. You know what? There's a name for us. We're medium whites. Yes, that's what yeah, we are. That's like, true. We're, with beards, with medium whites with beards. Yeah, medium <laughs> medium white guys with beards. Yours is a little more. Yours is more involved. It is. No, I, I, I'm hoping for the day where I can sort of Viking braid it, but that's what you, I'm not I'm there yet. I'm surprised you didn't like fully grow it out for one while day. you were directing. I don't think my wife was ready for that yet, but <laughs> now that we have a baby on the way, you I'm could, sure it'll be useful. The baby could, can like put things in it. You could blame it and keep it there and go back to it later. It's, pretty fu- it's really fun to have you on considering we just had Sam Rockwell on. Oh, you did? Sam was, Sam's episode just went up a couple You're kidding couple me. I didn't know ago. that. 
And and all yeah, this... I watch the show all the time. I listen to no, the you show. Listen, you would listen, listen to yeah, it. Watch... You would watch with your ears. <laughs> you would watch with your ears. <laughs> I'm just digging myself in deeper here. I'm you sorry. know, you just it probably it's it, smellovision, right? It's it's smellovision. Yeah, everything we do is odor based. <laughs> scratch and scratch and sniff. Scratch cards. and sniff podcast. <laughs> it's a scratch and sniff cast. It it you know you know I'm sure it's probably just in your queue of all the it is, episodes. It is. No, it is. Gonna... It's, it's after all my home repair. <laughs> well, this all the, this news story broke because he casually we we're talking about Galaxy Quest, and he yeah. casually mentioned they were supposed to be in the middle of shooting Galaxy Quest two. Oh, right. But then Alan Rickman passed away, and yeah. Tim Allen was unavailable, and yeah. so it just all it all sort of fell apart. Yeah. And so now there's this kind of mini outcry of like, there was almost a Galaxy Quest two, and now it's not going to happen. <laughs> I hate you, Chris Hardwick. It's your fault. No, I was just the messenger. <laughs> I wasn't even the messenger. Sam was the messenger. Well, hopefully, I'll get to I'll get a chance to work a little bit with Sam on, on I'm doing hopefully I'm doing Mute next yes. which is this sci-fi thing I've been trying to make for over 14 years oh my now my god I know when you were a babe in arms no I was still very much an adult <laughs> I was very much a creepy adult by that point <laughs> So, uh, so, but Sam's going to do a little cameo in that so that'll be fun so for so 14 years so yeah. you this is this is why filmmakers. It's my Don Quixote. <laughs> How could that go wrong? <laughs> no, but it, for 14 years to sit with an idea, this is what is fascinating to me about filmmakers: the patience that you will you will harbor something for that long. Yeah. And not at some point go, oh, just fuck it, you know? <laughs> like, how do you how do you keep the passion going for something? And how has it changed in 14 years? Well, what you do is you, is you bury it deep inside, and mm-hmm. then you just push it down, and you push it down some more, and you just keep pushing down on this, this angry little ball of, of rage that you have about not making this thing until, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you have to be patient. Kind you of, to, yeah, that is kind of to... what I imagine you have to do. Um, you find, you know, the good thing is, is that it's much better now than it was back when I had just gotten out of film school and I hadn't made any movies yet and I wanted to make it with Sam Rockwell. Right. Um, it was just kind of a, it was a very different project back then. And after 14 years and a lot more experience, it's obviously evolved quite considerably. Yeah. So it's a better film, much better film now than it would have been back then. What's the basic idea of it, can you say? It's about um, humans and orcs. And, no, that's that's wrong, Warcraft. Wrong spiel. Wrong spiel, yeah, that's sorry. Warcraft. Um, no, it's it's a, it's a science fiction film. It's basically uh, sci-fi Casablanca. Oh wow! There you go, in Berlin. So it's uh, it takes place in the future in a Berlin which is weirdly because it was actually written a while ago, but is but is is uh, is becoming very much a, um, a cross uh, a sort of a melting pot of of cultures as East meets West in Europe. Yeah, um, and it actually it's it says an awful lot about. People trying to get into Berlin and get out of Berlin, and uh, a, a guy whose uh, whose significant other goes missing at the start of the film, and he has to find her. Well, I think it's good that you know for any young filmmakers to hear that it's not always a bad thing if someone if something takes a while to make because maybe yeah. maybe whatever technology wasn't ready for this movie yet, now yeah. it can be that much better that you know fourteen years, yeah, even in just a short amount of time. The, 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 what you see in film in the past 14 years has so dramatically shifted. Yeah, absolutely. How did you... You, by the way, you can pull this out, and if you want to sit back... Oh, nice. You don't, you okay. don't have to... I'll, I'll, I'll do that in a minute, maybe. You don't have I'm to I'm save that no, I just for want a big you, moment. I want you to be as comfortable... You're going to pull the mic out I'm gonna, so that you I'm can I'm going to say something very it? intimate... And then yeah, and then I'll drop the mic <laughs> and walk out. Yeah. And we never saw him again. <laughs> That's why I think it's so interesting to see... You know, it, it. I feel like it used to be that filmmakers maybe were expected to make the same kind of movie or the same scale of movie over and over again. But yeah. 
Moon is a very intimate movie, and Warcraft is a very large movie. Yeah. So do you do you feel that you like to be challenged in terms of scale and type of story? Like each Definitely. Time I mean, there's, there's no instruction manual as to how to be a director, and there are people who come out of all different walks of life um, who are interested in being directors or find a way to become a director. Um, you know, I took a very long route. I went through low-budget music videos and commercials and things back in the UK um, and, and worked my way through that to the point where I got the chance to make Moon, which was my own project, but it was very small and, and intimate, like you said, and it was very personal, and, and you know, that's how I approached that. Um, and the challenge of that, obviously, we wanted to give the audience something engaging, even though we didn't have a lot of money, so we got Sam Rockwell to play multiple roles. So that was the technical challenge You on only that. had to pay him once, though, right? Uh, yeah, I only had to pay him. <laughs> I don't have to pay him by iteration. It's, it's, His agent was like, wait a minute. It's all like, wait a second. You, you have to pay him a lot. Hey. You're getting like six Sam Rockwells here. You need to pay six Sam Rockwells. Um, no, we bought, we bought the Sams in bulk, so it was cheaper, it was cheaper that way. It's at Costco. Yeah. yeah, you went to Costco, got your Sam Rockwell. And then, and then Source Code was obviously, again, I, I liked the challenge i like the puzzle solving aspect of okay how do we tell this this nugget of a story in multiple times you know in a, in a groundhog day kind of way but make sure that each time it feels new and that it actually adds to the to the storytelling so that was that was i you know i i enjoyed the challenge of that and and warcraft obviously is is challenging because it's the biggest thing there is to make as a movie but you so still have to figure fast. out how to make it Intimate and intimate, get, the, get yeah. the audience to care about the characters and get, get, get characters like Duratan that, that the audience are absolutely going to fall in love with. What, is the, what was the weirdest British commercial you made when you were, when uh, you were starting out? <laughs> the very, very first thing I did, which was my first job, I think I got paid a couple of hundred pounds for it, was for... That's in- like 10,000 American dollars now. <laughs> That's right. I, no, they paid me in bales of straw. Oh, okay. It was, it was a long you, time ago. You. Yeah, it was, a part, um, part it, it, was a, it was an MTV dating show. Um, do you do you remember that? Sh- Come on, honestly, and 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 I I did yeah I did I did the, a commercial uh, for that for in singled the, out in the UK for singled out in the UK back the, in the, the UK version yeah because yeah. I did the American version really you didn't know that I didn't know that I thought that's why you brought I wasn't that up fe- no honestly I was in the I w- I hosted the United States version that's of that. amazing and it was very big and then <gasps> they made and then Germany made their own version and the UK made its own version but that was yeah that was my show destiny <laughs> look the two of us finally come together I'm so glad that singled out was good for something across, across the ocean we, we, <laughs> we both we started on singled out and yet we managed <laughs> to get past it somehow <laughs> it's funny me. if you ask just about anyone singled out is somehow involved in their in their careers <laughs> so, anyone who works in the film you industry. know I'd never actually I've never actually seen the British version, and I, I went to the bad UK. Teeth. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went to the UK. I had bad hair. I had, I had that '90s drapey hair. But I, but I was in. I just the like U- to apologize to anyone British. I don't actually think we have bad teeth. We don't have bad teeth. Your teeth are actually very nice. Thank you. I want to. I, I wanna... bought them myself. No. <laughs> I can see they're 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 straight Each and perfect. Individual I'm actually a... jealous of your teeth. I'm actually jealous of your teeth. Yeah, I was in the UK. I think in the late '90s or something around thereabouts, and uh, right. I got the production house number of the whoever was producing single out in the UK, and I left a message. I'm like, I do the American version of this show. Can I come see? Then they never called me back. They never called me back. 
They weren't. They weren't concerned. They were probably just thought you were some creepy American dude looking for a date. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to be on your show. I got to show I'm you from the America. That's so funny. What was the commercial that you shot? Do you uh, it was kind of cool, actually. It had a nice little technical gag going on where where um, we were kind of in a bar and there was a couple at one table. There was basically a series of tables, one after the other, and the camera was a single camera move. So you'd move from one table to the next. And each time there'd be a different couple, and then you'd start realizing that they were the same people in different combinations. Yeah, and it was all in camera, so there was basically just actors running behind the camera and sitting down at That's the next so table. Funny. That's so strange. Yeah. That's so weird. It's, it's, it's very rare that my mind can get blown in that kind of way, but that's so strange. <laughs> I just thought you brought that up because you knew and you no, were no, shit about honestly, it. No, no, honestly, that's that's weird. You're too nice a guy. I, I, I'm maybe surprised. <laughs> I'm too nice to have worked on Singled Out. No, is that... <laughs> yes, you're too nice to have worked on that. It's what a are you doing? <laughs> Where did you go to film school? A uh, place called uh, London Film School in uh, in London, just off Covent Garden. It's a it's a, it's a great place. It's a it's the building the building is ancient. They don't have an elevator, so basically, if you want. You know, the studios are like on the third and fourth floor. If you wanted to build a set up there, you'd have to carry everything up the stairs. But it was, uh, it was, it was, it was tough back then. It's film school but, in in today's age of online tutorials, and everyone can just pick up a camera and make stuff and put it online. Do you? It, do you believe film school is still necessary? Is still a necessary part of, of the process? I don't know, and I, and I know that different film schools approach things in different ways. What I did love about my film school um, was that. It made you do all the jobs you would never have chosen to do yourself. And I think what's great about that is the best experience you can have, I think, to to make movies is to just work on things being shot. And if you never think that you're going to be interested in, I don't know, cinematography is a bad example because that's one of the more of of the glamour jobs up there with director. But if there was a particular job that you never thought you would be interested in, at film school, at least at my film school, they'd make you do it. And yeah. you'd work on lots of other people's short films and get experience in every department doing every job. And that, to me, was the most worthwhile part of it. So sort of the the guided structure of it is worth it for someone who's considering... I think so, because I think, you know, if if you're fortunate enough that you know, you got a, you got a couple of hundred bucks saved and you've got an iPhone and you've got some buddies who think they can act and you're shooting stuff on your own, you're going to do it as the director. I mean, if, 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 that's, if that's what you want to do, you're going to sort of strive to be the position that you think you want to end up in. And, I, and like I said, I think what's great about my film school was that it absolutely made you understand what everyone else's job is and do it. You might not do it great, but at least you'd know what it is that they're trying to do and what their responsibilities are. I mean, I think as a director, as the guy who's sort of piloting that ship, yeah. you probably should know what everyone's job is. Absolutely. So you even know how to direct not just actors, but different people on the crew for what you're trying to achieve. But, you know, there's absolutely other ways you can do it than, than go to film school. You can just be, you know, really keeping your eyes open when you're working on stuff of your own and, you're, and learn how to do it yourself. And, you know, that's, that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't know, forgive me, I, can't, I don't know if Sam Raimi ever went to film school, but I've heard the stories about him back in the day making his own equipment and sort oh, of yeah. shooting, shooting things with his buddies. That's a fantastic way to learn what you need to know to, how to, to, to direct. Yeah, when they were making Evil Dead, they were basically just like in that shack, just camping out, guarding all the equipment. Absolutely. And just out kind of making it that, and that way. And that must have been so much fun. I bet he had more fun making those films. Than, than he does making films today. Pro- I mean, probably so, just in the sense that, you know, there are certain... The lack of resources, I think, does 
force a lot of creativity. Yeah. And that process is very rewarding. Even if I think if you don't realize it in the moment, in retrospect, and you look back and you go, holy shit, oh, that yeah. was amazing. It's so hard. I mean, it's such hard work making a movie at any level, honestly. I think, you know, I... I, I I think anyone who's achieved making a movie, good or bad, has you know. There's, a, I think there's a there's a there's a, uh, a a siblinghood of all of us who've made a movie in that you've achieved something which a lot of people haven't experienced before, and there are certain challenges and experiences that you go through that no one else will have have had. Yeah, and I think that's. Do you feel like that's made you more sympathetic? When you see something and you go, well, it wasn't really as great, but you know, they probably had, you know, maybe there was this hardship or that happened. Absolutely, you know, me like me or me or uh, like Gareth Edwards or or Ryan, if we were like looking at each other across the, with a thousand yard stare across a party, <laughs> you know, give that little nod to each other. Yeah, we know we know what we've been through. The buddy. Rogue One teaser came out today, and it looks uh, it looks real good. It looks very juicy. We yeah, are we are in we are in Star Wars Renaissance, you guys. This is this is we're we're in it. Look, it's fantastic. I'm I'm a fan of those films. I hope they do well. I enjoy them. I just hope that. An equal amount of enthusiasm and support were out there for things that were not based on pre-existing franchises. Of course. Have you seen Midnight Special? That's a great film. I don't. I think it just no one saw it. No one went to see it, and it's such a great film. And there's so many great independent films that are worth looking out for. I, I wish there was a little bit more of a support for those films because the other ones don't need it. You know, it, it part of it. I, I think a lot of it just has to do with the glut. Of content that's out right now, I mean, it used to be in the old days. <laughs> you basically got whatever was put in front of you, and that was it. But now there's so much content. We, it's, all, it's more than that, though. It's not just that there's a lot of content. We live in a. I'm like really talking against myself here, but we live in an era of the franchise industrial complex. Mm-hmm. There's just you know there are so many. Universes that with giant films that you are supposed to go and see, right? And you know they're great. Most of them are good, but I just I just really think that when as we you know go ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line, and we look back at the films that we loved when we were in this period, we're gonna maybe miss miss some new blood, you know, some new some new ideas and some new characters. We're not gonna get a new Indiana Jones now. If we're going to go see all the Marvel films, all the DC films, no, I, all the Star I, I totally, Wars films. I totally agree. And I think my point with that there's so much of everything now is that people's attentions are, are stretched so thin that a recognizable thing just – it, it rises above everything. And, and I think people are stressed with how much content there is. What are they supposed to watch? Stop defending the status quo, man. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying. What are they, because, because I think some very interesting things have happened in the last yeah. year or, or two, which is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Deadpool, you know, being things that people widely didn't know and really kind of defied the yeah, standard I, I franchise like, industrial complex. I like Marvel complex. Comics, too. Yes, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, no one, but they defied what people knew in terms of IP. Yeah, and still managed to. But what about well? Batman and Superman, man? And what about you know Star Wars? And what about that? They're all franchises. We know these things. It's great. You know, there's lots of stuff. There's you lots want of my merch. T- more attention for the midnight specials. Of I the just world. want. I just want some new stuff. I want to. I want to. There's. I, I want lots of things. I want to be able to talk to someone and say, "Hey, have you seen this movie? You probably know nothing about it, and it's fantastic. You should go see it." And they should. And then they will go see that movie instead of you should go see this movie. Oh, it's already out of theaters. You have to wait and watch it on Netflix. Right. 
Right. So, what would be your perfect? Uh, what would be your perfect world? What is your perfect world for the cinema goer? <laughs> um, it. You know, I, I. I don't even know how you get there, but I think. I think more arms, more more de- parts of studios that see it as a responsibility to try and bring new things to the audience that they may not know that they want. But you know, this is this is a this is a, a business, so they're going to go for the things that make the most sense financially, where they know that there's an audience that's pre-existing. You know, maybe they'll make the uh, I don't know, they'll make the. Um, the Coca-Cola movie or, I, I, you know, <laughs> things that you recognize. Oh, you know, Shell, Shell Oil. I know Shell Oil. I'll go see the Shell Oil movie. I don't know if I anyone mean, would go see the Shell Oil movie. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they knew it. I think, I think some of the... I, I think, have a Mustang. I'm going to go see the Mustang movie. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, because I, 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 do, I do agree that we are in this franchise industrial complex, but I do believe that, uh, that there is responsibility that lands on us as consumers to... You know, rather than make the easy choices, like yeah. maybe once a week, sit down with your family or your kids or whatever, and go. We're just gonna we're just gonna do a random. Um, we're gonna watch a movie that we wouldn't normally watch in some genre that we wouldn't normally watch just to see. Ask me, ask me if I would make Warcraft two. Would you make Warcraft two? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but in between that, yeah, between <laughs> a very intimate movie, absolutely, about that no guy, one's ever heard of about before. a guy who's struggling. Is that <laughs> like what do you think of? You know what? What do you think in this age of uh, of art being so tied to commerce and like what is what is art to you do you think there's any way that it can have any kind of commercial value or do you feel like it can't i think you've got to be savvy and i think chris nolan's a very you know good example of someone who has managed to use the leverage of their success in that franchise world to start creating con- you know things of their own that that audiences don't know anything about and they'll still turn up that is amazing and that that is a that is a career goal worth having. Sure. I love the Coen brothers and the fact that they'll do that. I love Tarantino and the fact that he'll do that. People who make their own stuff and, you know, hopefully if I ever get to the point where people like my movies enough that they'll go see them because I made them and not because they, you know, not because it's the Shell Oil or the Coca-Cola movie. Right. Um, I would love to get to that place. Hopefully one day I will. And then I'm going to give you some stuff that you really weren't expecting. And do you already know what these things are? Do you feel like... I got a few of them. I got a few of them. You know. I mean, it's got to be frustrating that because in so many other forms of media, you know, it's like if you're a musician, you can write 20 songs. Yeah. But if you're a filmmaker, you really can focus on one movie over the span of a few years. And I'm sure you have these other things that are nibbling at you and you have to figure out how to push them aside and stay focused. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, th- those are some of the things I did get to talk about um, with my dad. Um, just as far as the differences between working in the music industry and working in the film industry, especially when you want to make something which is a bit more genre and a bit more unusual, in that you can make a demo of a of a music track on your own, you know, on your on your MacBook. Yeah, it, it's more difficult to you know <laughs> do that with a with a with a film. I mean, you know, there are things you can do, obviously, but there isn't the same satisfaction of being able to deliver to an audience something the way you saw it in your head unless you have a lot of money and to, to make it in film. Whereas with music, you can deliver something that the audience can appreciate and understand, oh, that was the intention. That's right. what the artist was trying to make. 
in film, it's more difficult to do that unless you, you know, you have to be investable. You have to make something that's going to make money because it's ex- it's an expensive business. Yeah. How are you doing, by the way? Since I mean, okay. I, as, as I, someone I, who know, lost his dad a couple of years ago, how are you? Oh, doing? Oh, I thought you meant whether I can, af- you know, afford whether to you live can afford somewhere. to live somewhere. Yeah, no, I'm okay. How are you doing? Do you need? No, some, no, financially, I'm okay. Have, we have, you know, my wife I have like and I have two hundred dollars. Do you want two hundred dollars? Uh, could I put it in a film? <laughs> <laughs> That's the artist answer right there. That's the artist answer. No, but as someone who lost his dad a couple of years ago, and I, I mean, I, yeah. I you know, how, I'm okay. How, how, I'm good. I'm good. He's, you know, we, we, I was very fortunate. We got a chance to say our goodbyes, so I'm good. Because obviously, you know, I, I noticed that you went dark on social media for for a little bit, which yeah. I think was a very, very wise, very wise thing to do. Yeah. And I think just to the rest of the world, you know, the, it was a, it was. In, I don't think that many people knew what was going on, so it was a. I haven't really seen the uh, the the shock of something like that. Yeah, I mean, look, I brought I brought it up today. I'm, I'm, it's 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 a weird one for me. I don't really know how to talk about it or what to say about it, other than the fact that, you know, like I said, we got we got a chance to say our goodbyes and um and our, and and weird things make me miss him. Um, but it's still early days. I'm sure I always will, but it's uh it's tricky, you know. I, I, I he's he was a he was a big. Um, gravitational pull in my life as far as who who I saw myself as you know how I how I separated myself from the world and how I how I saw myself um yeah if I could just give you a piece of dad dad advice in (laughs) this arena because this was given to me when my dad passed away it was it was very fresh for a while and it felt very raw for a while you know particularly the first six months to a year but then after after that this kind of thing happens where the things that feel painful to think about or things that feel feel painful to remember actually are kind of strangely comforting. Yeah. And I still like even literally even just last night I had a dream where he was just back and we were hanging out and like it never it never leaves and you really the things that I never appreciated when I was when I was younger when I'm like yeah. oh my god that sounds like my dad now yeah. I'm kind of like that's really awesome. That like yeah. I see I see him, so it's still there. Could we get some couches in here? Yeah. Do you want to lie down? <laughs> Listen, man. I, we don't even you know if no. I, I mean, it's it's bittersweet because right now my my wife is is very pregnant. And, yes, and she's due in June. So actually, at the same time that Warcraft coming to a cinema near you uh, <laughs> is out. So uh, the baby and the movie will be out at the same time. Hopefully. On the uh, on the on the red card. Now you're going to have an alliance theme birth or a horde theme birth <laughs> is the question. <laughs> I don't know. You don't pick I, a side. I, I've been told not to decide. But on that this yet. is a. You shouldn't. Yeah, don't. Don't. You're just merely. You're just. Uh, you're, I you're think putting I, it you out know there for marketing will tell us which is more popular when the movie comes out, and then that will be the theme for the for the baby. <laughs> Will definitely <laughs> skew to that it, demographic. It, it, it is kind of a strange. It is kind of strange the way life works that way. Is yeah. that you experience a loss, but then you also have like the greatest gift that you're about to get, which yeah. is your which is your child. And yeah. So, what did you you know? What did you? Take no tusks. Away? No tusks. No tusks. That would be. Yeah. Bad. We don't know. That would be bad. What did you take away from your relationship with your dad that you feel like you're bringing into this new relationship with your unborn child? Um. I think you know. I think I think the, the 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 fun bit is just being brave, and and I and I think it's more about taking taking the choices that you don't think are, are yours to take. You know, I think if you if you want to try something, if you want to do something, if you want to do something in a way that hasn't been done before, that's okay, and and just to just to go for it. 
Uh, Gary Oldman was just in the podcast, and he's, oh wow, he very good friends with your dad. And, <laughs> he was. and when he started talking about it, he actually he, he got he cried. Yeah, and yeah. Just said it. You know, he's the, eerily similar to my dad. I mean, I know it doesn't. It might not seem that way, but personality wise, accent wise, they're very very similar guys. Oh so, really? Yeah. I didn't. I actually, to be honest, in all these years of watching Gary Oldman, I never knew what his actual accent was <laughs> until he started talking. I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah. But he just said, even in, even in, you know, even sort of in the in the last days, they would Skype and, you know, he said your dad just wouldn't complain. He'd go, well, no, tell me about you. How are you? And it just seemed like such a knowing the the experience that I've had with you over the past couple of years. We've hung out a few times, and I've always thought, God, Duncan is like such a nice, warm, sweet, caring guy. Yeah, I am, and I that. Am. <laughs> And that must be a testament to that must be a testament to your parents. Like, like nice yeah. people come from you know typically come from nice people. I think I think that's me. Yeah, my dad, my dad was a very good guy. Yeah. Well, I uh, am very excited that uh, your wife is what like a week or two two, two, <laughs> two months away. Two months. Oh, uh, what is it now? May uh, April? April. Well, yeah. Oof. Do you know what it? Yes, it's just the correct choice. <laughs> Not that we got to choose, but <laughs> do you already all set? Like, do you have names? Do you have everything? Is everything? Yeah, we got we got names. You got names. Oh, we got names. <laughs> we got all the names. Fifteen names. Lord Ballington, <laughs> Everworth, Picklesby, Warcraft, Coca Cola, Coca Cola, oil. Shell, Shell Oilsworth. <laughs> we got so many gifts coming to us, though. Okay? All the Coca Cola we can drink. You see, the people, people's babies are going to be like boxers now, where it just says like Caesar's Palace on the arm and like you know Draft King on the side or whatever <laughs> whatever they say this baby was sponsored by <laughs> that is where we're going I yeah. mean that is literally where we're we going we gotta borrow your VR camera for the birth I that everyone can watch <laughs> from any angle no no this is a bad idea what? being told this is a bad idea I'm actually I would be surprised if that's not being done I would actually be surprised if that's not being done yet someone there is definitely gonna be VR birth footage somewhere <laughs> there is really it's happened Oh, that's that's kind of sweet. But at least it's just one person watching it, not not like everyone. No, he put it up. <laughs> was it Periscope? It was on Periscope. It was on Periscope. It streamed on Periscope and Facebook Live. He did a Snapchat that lasted yeah. for like for like a day. You but did a podcast about it afterwards. Do a podcast about it. But you know, the other thing, the other thing that uh, the other thing that I've said is that, um, you know, I used to stress a lot about really stupid things, and I think I still do. I'll, you know, I think I still do. It's a human thing to do. But when I lost my dad, it, it made me realize that, you know, um, nothing's really that bad. You know what I mean? Like, everything else after that is just, you just sort of take it in stride. You're like, well, it's not that. <laughs> so. Yeah. We've had a crazy, we've had a crazy few years. My, 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 again, my lovely wife went through crazy cancer uh, you know at the, we we were basically finishing cancer treatment at the start of warcraft and then dad passed away from cancer at the end of warcraft um it's just been and and it's just been a yeah and her dad passed away a couple of weeks ago it's just been a an assault an assault of stuff so how do you how do you kind of Stay. How do you keep from going crazy? It's all the sponsorship from from the various <laughs> the sponsorship coming companies in. that just want to help us out. You know, I. But in seriousness, you must have uh, people. You must have some advice. Like there must be something 
that you've been able to extrapolate from all this and that, like how how have you not I mean I think you know what you said a couple of minutes ago um was was absolutely correct I think I think you go through as as much garbage as we've been through recently and you kind of realize it doesn't matter you know it's you're going to be okay there's there's going to be a life ahead of you and it's going to be fantastic just make it that way yeah you know and see it see it that way and I think I think that's that's the best you can do is any part of it odd, or maybe you're just used to this because you because you you grew up with it? But you know, the rest of the world seeing your dad as this as this character, yeah. but then you knowing the real person. Is there any type that's like because ah, everyone I'm sure is t- trying to take ownership over it? Like, is that yeah. weird at all, or is it comforting? Um, I, I, I'm I don't know. I'm still I'm still in the thick of it. Like I said, I, I brought it up, so I kind of we're, we're talking about it more than I would have in, in wanted to or sure. felt comfortable doing. But um, I'm obviously affected by someone that I knew passing yeah. away. Everyone else is affected by someone else yeah. that they knew. Um, they're just as important um, to them and how they see them, but we're, we're talking about two different people. Absolutely. So... Can you then, uh, going into the sort of Warcraft, can you sort of predict once the movie comes out, like, that is really kind of the end of this era, like, this last couple of it, years? It really feels like it. Isn't it? I mean, it, 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 it's been such a crazy year, and it's been so perfectly bookended that it really feels like, okay, that's a phase of life that happened and is now, you know, we've, we're moving on to something else now. Um, and And... Look, all of the emotions and crazy things we went through to make the film, because it was a challenge. It was a huge movie. We spent three and a half years on it. It's, you know, all of that, all of that energy and what was going on got channeled into the movie. So it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff in the movie, which is more emotional than you might expect for a movie of this type, I'd, I'd say. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a... Well, everything happens for a reason, kind of guy. <laughs> but it is yeah. insane to me the the kind of the astronomical calculation that when Warcraft comes out, the end of this era where there is this yeah. this kind of like this whole experience and the death in the last few years, that it, this next phase of your life is literally a physical embodiment of a of a person who is being born. Well, I, I really have the strategists at Chipotle to thank for that. <laughs> It was it was their plan to make. <laughs> now I just want to I just want to throw this out to you. Uh, for an extra dollar, we can make your baby wet, and we can put uh, <laughs> we can add the cojito cheese on top for an extra dollar. Well, that that is one of his middle names. It's guac guac <laughs> guac Jones. <laughs> you have to make guac Jones. That would be fucking amazing. Guac Jones is like Indiana Jones' dumb shit cousin. It's like ah oh, Christ. Like that's you have to pick pick pitch guac Jones. God, I- <laughs> in the upcoming, but I just I, I I think it is I think it is pretty incredible that this in this particular in this instance that life has worked out this way and that you you have this hopeful new new chapter to to look forward to. Well, thank you for making it happen. I didn't do anything. Oh, okay, no, I didn't do anything. Doctor Ruth, I did you. not. Uh, what happened to Doctor Ruth? I know. Oh, well, I think she's not around anymore. Did she pass away? She's still she's alive. Around? You should get her on the show. She'd be amazing. 
I'm sure she still knows exactly. I'm sure she knows exactly what's going on. <laughs> Do you? Are you an LA person or are you a London person? I'm an LA person now. Yeah, nice. yeah. I've been here for a couple of well, quite a few years actually. But we keep disappearing, obviously, because we go make the movies. So you know, we're in we're in Montreal for Source Code and Vancouver for for Warcraft, and then we'll be in Berlin for the next one, hopefully, if that happens. If mute happens, yeah, yeah. That's. And do you ever just think, ah, maybe I should just. Shoot a movie in my backyard. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no, it's um it's especially now that we have the baby coming, if we get to if mute happens, we'll come back and and I would love to work it out that I can stay stay at home and in LA for a little while. Um yeah. I mean, it is it it the thing that I hear about, you know, well, when you have kids everything changes and and yeah. I think on some, on an intellectual level, I unless I, you're Ridley Scott and you basically just turn all of your kids into your crew, <laughs> that, that's genius. That, that is, is genius. I, they so got to work hoping, for free. You know, how old does he have to be to be a mic stand? Not like, very old, not, actually. Not old. No, just not hold, very old. Hold a mic up. That's what four. Yeah, I mean, I, I think actually a baby <laughs> could probably, if I'm, yeah, a no. sandbag. Yeah, we need sandbags. You need for a sandbag. All the lighting stands. Or if you could, you know, you could once once the baby starts crawling, like it would crawl toward people. You could just put a GoPro on the baby. That's true. You could probably do some cool shots with a with a with baby cam. I'm actually surprised someone had to have done that, right? You just get like a room full of babies and strap cameras to their heads and just like see what you get. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do that. I mean, someone could do that. Not me, of course. You could sew the ends of the baby to the next baby. Like, no, no, that's, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. Guys! <laughs> no, yes, baby centipede. Come on. My little centipede babies. It'd be like Muppet Babies. There's but your sequel. Se- There's I guess your- they made a few sequels, but... <laughs> There's your sequel. They've made they've kindergarten scientists. <laughs> we need to go through and make baby versions of like all just all like the horror a, movies. Adorable, yeah, all all the horror movies. Oh, that's every, great. Every yeah, last dollhouse on the left. Like they, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just it has its own. Yeah, Freddie Freddie Junior. Fred, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all just just babies because people people love babies. They love horror. I'm in your dreams. <laughs> wait, well, wait. Then who did who did baby Freddy Krueger murder? Like a bunch of tinier babies? Like I don't know how that would have worked. Yeah, listen. Just even as a fun, even as a even as a fun thing, we should just make that just for fun. We should just do a series of trailers of baby versions of all the all the movies. I like it. that we want to see. So what uh, are you gonna are you gonna take? You must have to take some time off once the movie comes out. Once the baby's born, I uh, I yes, we're taking like a month off. A whole month. <laughs> we don't. We look. The, the crazy thing is just the way we've we've scheduled things that it wasn't intentional. But if mute goes, we we spend a month here and then we go to Berlin and start pre production and and shoot for the end of this year. What do you? What is it specifically that you're waiting for for this movie to start? Is it financing? Um, it's it just just some final kind of sign-offs on things. Um, yeah, contractual kind of things. But Here's what I'm getting at. You yeah. go to film school. Yeah. You understand all the stuff of actually making a movie. Yeah. I assume film school doesn't necessarily teach you about the finance process. Right. So That is correct. What is the sort of – what is the typical lifespan like – once a thing is done and you go, okay, now I'm ready to go out and try to make it, what well, are the different bullshit things that you have when, to go through? When, when a director loves a producer. Very much. And they, and they, <laughs> they love each other very much. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they start working together. 
<laughs> then a movie is born. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of how it works. It's, it, that might be an oversimplification okay. of how it works. That might be an oversimplification of how it works. I, I have a I have, a, I have a, uh, a producing partner, a buddy that I've been working with since Moon, um, and and we've been working together. He as he is incredibly good at his job. Um, so right now, my job is kind of you know tweaking the script, talking to actors, kind of having the fun stuff. He is. He is neck deep in the uh, in the in the the dark arts of of putting a deal together. I mean, using your analogy, yeah. If you if if baby making was the same as filmmaking, yeah. The gestation process would be about nine years. Uh, <laughs> it would constantly yeah. be. Listen, I really want to try to put my sperm in the egg. Listen, we're waiting for that. These <laughs> these German investors are going to come in. They're going to bring this. They're going to give you the money for the sperm to put in the egg. Uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So yeah. I'm going back and forth with their people, and yeah. then business affairs gets involved at the same time. And we want to give you some notes on the position as well that you. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I just think there's so much about the creative process that's not technically creative that I think you know, it can I, be dangerous. It's 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 different. I think studio films are, are one thing and, and there are there are realities that you have to be willing to to roll with. And I think if you can if you if you can accept and understand those up front, you can make things work in your favor and you can creatively use those as a as a puzzle to solve. Um, I think when you're doing independent films, there's kind of no safety net in 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 that in the sense that you would have with a studio film. But there is a there is a liberating and scary freedom that you have on independent films. So I think they are two different disciplines, and they're both challenging, and they can both end up making great movies, but they're very different. Yeah. Did you find that? Because I uh, did you find that you did not have as, that you've not had as much time to play games as you. I always have time to play games. <laughs> what are you playing besides Super Hot? <laughs> uh, well, XCOM Two, obviously, obviously, obviously. Um, I'm such a fan of XCOM. They're, those games were fantastic back in the day. They were fantastic, and now that they've been reimagined by by Fire Axis, they're even more fantastic. What was your first gaming platform? Uh, I guess it was the the, the old Atari, the 2600. Yeah, but then we got a got a Commodore 64. Sure. Um, so I was using that for a while, but I really got into my into my gaming groove with the Amiga 500. Right. That was kind of there was there was kind of in the UK there were kind of the the war was between the Spectrum people and the and the Amiga guys. Right. Uh, I was an Amiga guy, um, so that that kind of really got me into into gaming. It's hard to imagine a time when there was gaming and like no forums. It's oh, hard. I know, isn't it? it? It's yeah. weird. Or even just multiplayer. Right, right. Because multiplayer for me, when I was a kid, back in my day, when the- multiplayer was sitting next to your buddy with some grid paper, and he'd draw maps. <laughs> back when the queen mom was only 80. <laughs> we both got the same old man voice. We do have Did the same old man that? voice. Is there another so one? <laughs> and yours is weirdly not British, which is surprising to me. Hey, I'm an international uh, Euro, I'm really, transatlantic Eurotrash. Unfortunately, I'm too ethnocentric, and uh, <laughs> so that's why mine was this guy. <laughs> The <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of funny that yeah, multiplayer was basically just come over and watch each other play games or draw maps. Because I used to play a lot of role playing uh, RPGs, sure, um, CRPGs. Yes, um, and and one of we take turns. So one of us would be kind of controlling, like step forward, step forward, step north, 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 and then the other person would be drawing grid by grid the maps for all of the dungeons. Oh my god. Yeah, I still uh did you play D D or did you play what did you play? I, I played uh what you mean as far as those games? Yeah, as far as those That would RPGs. have been that would have been things like Wizardry and uh ult, ult, the Ultima series. So oh, right. uh 
So we called just... it the Sorcerer's Stone, and yours was the Philosopher's Stone. That's probably what the. All oh, right. Was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh. the uh, the uh, uh, there was a. I found a video of there was a very famous clown show in the United States called Bozo Bozo the Clown. Oh yeah. And I someone posted on the art the obscure media subreddit from 1979. The Bozo the Clown show saw the video game. Uh, they just saw it happening. Yeah. So they had a segment on their show called Pow. And it was basically someone would call in, yeah, and they had a TV screen, a shitty TV screen with essentially pong, <laughs> and it would fire, <laughs> it would fire this disc, and this other line, the person on the phone would go pow, and they would say that <laughs> that would shoot a square out to try to hit the line, yeah. and in like thirty seconds they had to hit the line as much as possible. <laughs> but the, I, I have this video, and I'll put it, I'll post it on Facebook or something yeah. of. Uh, it was it was actually like an older woman who called in, and the guy's like, "Well, you're not normally our demographic, but all right." And it was thirty seconds. This woman going, "Pow, pow, <laughs> pow," and trying to hit. And it was oddly me- oddly mesmerizing. Did yeah. you have? Did you guys have any like video game? Let's yeah, play. Yeah, we type did. Shows? There was some, there was some early. Oh God, some someone online's going to have to help me. But there was a British there was a British game show for kids that was basically um, there was like a sort of a dungeon master type character, and you would basically all of the, the kids would put on this helmet that. That they couldn't see, Master and then of the maze. what's that called? Master of the maze. Master of the maze, yeah. and then someone off, you know, on the side would basically tell them which direction to walk. Yep. Uh, yeah. By Mario Lopez in America. Oh, really? Okay. What wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave it to Kyle. Leave it to Kyle Clark. Don't be jealous. I'm not you jealous. You You're that. jealous. You can have that. Joel. That he got to host that, and I didn't get to host that show. <laughs> Duncan <laughs> Jones. Yeah, I hosted the American version of Singled Out. Ours was first. All right. So your British version of Singled Out should take care of any kind of reparations that happen when we, when we branched off from you guys. Yeah, I mean, it, the, those I, – I, I think the thing that I kind of – of course, I love modern gaming. But the thing that I also miss is that that sense of your, of, of your imagination being a character of the game. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of that – Yeah, the greater the fidelity of the game, the kind of less you have to invest – with yeah, because you're constantly just going, wow, that's amazing, and look at that's amazing. But, you know, I still – you should – if you haven't done it yet, have you played Critical Role yet? No. Critical Role is a show on Geek and Sundry, which is in this building. Yeah. Uh, my friend Matt Mercer basically has this DM campaign uh, – this uh, this uh, campaign, and he's the DM. And it's really, really fun, and it makes you remember um, just what it was like when you were using nothing more than some dice in your imagination. It was, yeah. It's such an – it's so engaging. Did you, did you ever play Shadowrun? We were talking about this online the other day. No. Shadowrun – do you know do you know what Shadowrun is? No. It's, it's kind of this uh, – it's a, a cyberpunk fantasy crossover thing. So it's kind of a William Gibson-esque yeah. cyberpunk setting, but then there's like orcs and ogres and, and magic users and all this other stuff on top of it. Sounds like a Bakshi cartoon. <laughs> it's 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 such I mean I never got to play the game properly with other people I'd like write these this is going to sound really sad Please. this is like kind of uh, do we have the like the incredible Hulk walking away music <laughs> so basically I'd make these incredible campaigns but I had no one to play with so I have all of these prepared campaigns oh you stop now I'm okay getting, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional I know I didn't mean to um, so I have all these campaigns and things that I'd done but I never got to play it and it just the the manuals all of the the detail of what you could do in the game, it looked so cool. But um, I have to find some people who know how to play Shadowrun. I'm actually surprised that you, and you you must have at some point at least tried to pen, to write your own game. 
I'm surprised you actually haven't. haven't... I, I worked briefly at a, in a video games company. Actually, more than briefly. It was about a year and a half um, in London. I just got out of film school. And uh, actually, this is kind of a weird yeah thing. Um, you know uh, AlphaGo, which was the new AI uh, program which just beat the world yeah, 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 champion? Yeah, yes, yes. So the guy who was in charge of the company that made AlphaGo is a guy called Demis Hazabas. And he used to run a computer games company before he got into AI. And that games company was called Elixir Studios, based in Camden in London. And they, um, he, he had basically been one of the co-designers for Theme Park. And then he split off from Theme Park. He made his own game, and it was called Republic the Revolution. And it wasn't so good, but I worked at that company while we were making that game. And the idea... This, tell, tell me this sounds really like I want to play this game. Okay. It's an Eastern European political simulator. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> Kids love it. And the, basically the idea is that you're kind of some street tough. You know, it's kind of pre, pre-GTA. And the yeah. idea was you're kind of some street tough and you've got to work your way up the political system using all these various machinations to become leader of this Eastern European country. So I worked for like a year and a half as an assistant designer on, on that. Sounds really fun. On that game. It, it, it didn't, you know, I think we were a little ahead of the, you know, the technology. Yeah. So it never quite worked out but i worked in the games industry i felt like i learned an awful lot from the experience i actually met some fantastic guys like gavin rothery who i ended up working on moon with as, as sort of a concept artist and all-round sort of visual genius that is the um, most british name i've almost ever heard gavin rothery gavin rothery one day i hope you have the chance to meet him he is the most british person <laughs> you will ever but but not the but northern british so okay. he's, he's 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 fantastic he's like a character out of uh, lord of the rings what is it about the north that gets because that that was a, that was a doc, that was a kind of that was a Doctor Who joke that I never really got. And they're like, "You sound like from the north." Well, lots of places have a north. Like, what is what is the what is the north? What is what is it about the north? I'm, I'm not gonna get into that quandary. Okay, all right. I, I, yeah, there's 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 still a war going on. Back okay, in I understand. The homeland. Winter is coming. <laughs> I, basically, everything that's going on in Games of Thrones is based on on it's based on all the that. wars between the north and the south in the UK. What is it to is there anything about gaming that you think is – are you able to uh, to be in that world and not take any of the shit talking personally or do you engage in any of the shit talking? like I don't play that many multiplayer games anymore. I went through a phase where I was kind of into Call of Duty back when it was a World War II game. Right. I used to play a lot of that. I had like a group that I used to play with a lot. Um, and Unreal Tournament and all those kind of first-person oh, yeah. shooters, and then and then I think I kind of just I just weirdly by happenstance I I kind of became less involved in that stuff as the trash talking really kind of took off. So I you know it wasn't it wasn't something I ever really had to deal with that much. It's I think it'd be really fun to. I, I like the idea of getting together with people and doing that sort of stuff. Like a LAN kind of yeah, situation? Yeah, like a LAN party. Like yeah. a LAN party type of a situation. I'll bring my desktop. Oh, you totally <laughs> should. You know, I have, a, I, have a good, I have a good gaming PC laptop. We should, I'll just yeah. bring it wherever. And we yeah, can come. absolutely. Because I, I do think... Uh, I do think as connected as we all are, it is incredibly – it's still very isolating the way that you interact with this stuff. And I just yeah. – like that – I think that's why – I think that's why something like D&D is so great because it does force you to, to like be together to and work together as a group and socialize. No, yeah. absolutely. No, I, I think it's this it – doesn't like Will Wheaton and thing, I think plays a lot of, a lot of Will does. Will, well, Will plays a shit ton of every kind of game. Right. Like he's a big board games guy and he's a – you know, he's not as much a video game guy anymore, but he's very much a uh, – I just, I we kind of just got back into real world interlocuting with people 
um, recently with the guys from Rocket Jump. Yeah. Um, so so we meet with them and we sit and, and talk in person, um, playing games That's with crazy. our with our hands. What are you going to do when your kid is uh, like four, five, six, starts playing games? Are you going to be the parent that's like, okay, you should go outside and for a minute? Or are you going to be like, yeah, keep no, going? I'm going to tell him I'm I'm at Man Made Moon, and you can find me on Twitter. And if you want to talk, if you have any questions, just just tweet them to me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll get. I'll let. I'll I'll DM you. You're gonna you're I'll gonna do it, a, you're gonna do a live personal. It'll it'll be on the DM. You can so do a live be, Facebook Q and A with your kid. Okay, if you have any questions, yeah. uh, any, anyone, take, else? anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You is, again? Yeah, boy, you have a lot. Diaper, diaper again. <laughs> <laughs> I just changed you. I'm sorry. Anyone else? Anyone else? I got to go change that guy over there. Is it? I mean, it, this this era that we're getting in of people like the Gen Xers who grew up with the gaming industry and yeah. with uh, it. You know, like I know when I have kids, I'm going to sit down and try to force them to play Super Mario Three or, or or whatever else. Ooh, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know how many old games I'd actually try and get them. I don't think I'd do that to them. Because I, I think I have very, uh, uh, you know, fond memories of those games. But I'm pretty sure they're not, you know, if you watch them now, they're probably not as much fun as I remember them being. Sure. So I don't know if I'd inflict that on them. And I probably would want them to go outside, my kids. Or, you know, I... Because you, you're going to put a gaming rig out in the patio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put the Oculus Rift. Yeah. I'm going to hang it from a tree. <laughs> so I'll put them on a swing, and then I'll put the Oculus Rift on them, and it'll be like they're really it'll on a swing. It'll really feel... Or it'll just, like, the pool will have AR water in it, but not real water, and they can just sort of, like, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. That's what... It, that's, I, I'm so excited for that. I'm not as... I mean, I think VR's fine. But I'm so excited for AR. I'm so excited for yeah. for interacting with the world. There's, I think VR has is cool, but I think it's limited the amount of experiences that you can really have. But how with it. distracted do you already get with your phone? Just when you're like talking to people or walking around. Yeah, if but you actually had augmented reality stuff around you as you're trying to function in the world. True, but at least like with a phone. You know, I think the the part of the problem now is that machines force us to interface with them like machines. Yeah. So your face is constantly down your phone, but at least if you were looking out at the world, I feel like that's still a step up, even if you're looking at an augmented world. But if you're having a conversation with someone and there's like latest sports scores and stuff appearing by your head, right? Is that really a great? Or I can just see pictures. I can just see those have? dick pics that leaked out of you <laughs> that are. It's like, oh, or you putting on your frog suit, or me putting on my. <laughs> okay, we need some. I need to give the audience some context for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we showed a thing on At Midnight last night of a guy in a, a, a sex suit that was simulating and it was and it looks like an old like an old wartime frog suit or it actually it kind of looked like the thing that Mike TV puts on in Willy Wonka it just it looked like a clean suit yeah. and it has all these straps and then he, there's a chest piece that he can kind of grab onto and fondle and then an undulating basically a, a, a suck bot and, <laughs> and he has the virtual reality and what he was watching though was anime so he was fucking this anime uh, girl but still had the real time no and tentacles? I just, no tentacles okay. well I'm sure I'm sure that's coming but I just <laughs> said uh, I just said people I go no one's gonna fucking go to work anymore like why would you <laughs> why would you go to your IT job to get yelled at by people when you could stay at home and fuck everything 
well, I, the, the timing is probably pretty good then, because as the sort of as as our robot overlords start to reach a point where they can take all our jobs, yeah. and there are no jobs left for us, we need that kind of entertainment to keep us going with our our lack of uh, of careers. We were we were theorizing on the show how many how many skeletons would be discovered in fuck suits of just like people who That's just hideous. Who just never... <laughs> You're a bad man. <laughs> My love, will you co- will you cover our baby's ears, <laughs> our unborn baby's ears? That's all right. The baby's wrapped up in a chipotle tortilla. Uh, That's the baby true. can't hear. Yeah, it. I'm the gonna baby. have to sew him to another baby anyway. So <laughs> he's already he's already heard the worst. <laughs> I like the sentence. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. This is what is being. That is what is. This being. is what the people want. That's what they want to see. <laughs> it's a pre-existing franchise. So you what can't it? argue with pre-existing franchises. That you can't. That's what canon means. Like, that, that's what canon means. But it, but it is. But I love. I it, it, I I do think you have a healthy perspective. Even though we make all the jokes about you know the corporation sponsoring and owning everything, it feels yeah. like you have a very healthy perspective on, you know. Not everything has to be all one thing. That there, you can. You got to sneak. You got to sneak the creativity in wherever you can. Yeah. You know, and I and I think, look, I love I love Warcraft. I played it. You know, I played it from the first real time strategy orcs and humans right through up until you know the the beta for the you know for vanilla War, World of Warcraft, and then I wasn't able to keep going with the expansion packs because I had to work and earn a living. Right. Um. But um. You know, I love that universe, and and I'm glad that I got the chance to do this film. I got to work very closely with Blizzard, so I got to understand and and you know really get get to work with guys like Wei Wang, the amazing concept artist who 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 designed our orcs. Um, I I am very very grateful that I got to do this. Um, I hope I get the chance to take the story further because we've kind of set up some things which I think are worth moving you know further along with, but. I also want to make some other things that nobody else has any, you know, uh, specificity on what it should be. I, I think there are some some unique ideas that don't need everyone else's perspective on what it should be. Yeah, well, you know, when Duratan at the end gets in the DeLorean and they take off and fly away, you yeah. know, something's got to be done about your kids. Like, it's such a great way to end the movie, I think. Well, KFC, you know, was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've run with that one too long. No, it, it gets funnier every time. I, believe me. Believe me, it's fine. Okay. But, but you know, uh, I, I just... The crossover with Harry Potter is going to be amazing. It's going right? to be amazing. I mean, yeah. like... Yeah. Lots of magic. So, tons of magic, a lot of wand casting, some yeah. hippogriffs. Like, it's going to be a, it's going to be amazing. And Spider-Man. And, and of course, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who is in everything now, I've heard. Spider-Man's... The, still, yeah, yeah, the next phase is yeah. to put Spider-Man in every movie. Yeah, well, it, he, Which, they're doing a CSI spinoff. He just kind of comes in and it waves. just comes in and shoots a web and then, like, <laughs> and then, like gets out. It, I, it was... I mean, I got to be honest. It, it was pretty enjoyable to see him in the Civil War trailer, even just for that oh, yeah. second. I mean, that yeah. was what did you think? How did you feel about the animated eyes? Um, I don't know yet. I, it is, you know, because obviously that happened in Deadpool, too. They have to, they have to yeah. animate the eyes. Uh, I, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to me, because I don't understand how that would be a thing. Yeah. But I guess... The eyes didn't animate in the comic books. So they did not animate in the comic books. Well, because it's a fucking mask. Like, <laughs> and it's a comic book. And it's also a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I think, um, you know, I, 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 I'm keeping an open mind about it. Like, I'm not someone who likes to immediately go, well, fuck, you know. No, of course. I no. just kind of go, you know, for me, 
even if it's not really a purist approach, I would go, well, you know, they tried to do something to make the character more interactive or enjoyable in some way, and so I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, I'd be okay with it. Uh, when is, what is the release date of Warcraft? Um, June 10th in the United States of America. And the UK is doing their own version of Warcraft. The UK actually, I think, comes out a week earlier. Okay. And then there's a couple of other countries that come out like a week even, a week earlier than that. Earlier than I, the United States? I think it's out in France first. How what? How weird is that? This is an outrage <laughs> to the internet. <laughs> uh, do you, can you find a place to cut in that other conversation that we, were, that we had before? Yeah. I mean, I didn't hear the conversation, so I don't know how to start it, but I can <laughs> just, I just some crackling noises like there's bad reception. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just do like a time jump, yeah, break everyone's ears. Um, but uh, honestly, you know, all that behind you. Uh, uh, congratulations on the movie, and congratulations on the soon-to-be birth of your of your child. Thank you very. And much. And you're always a you're such a sweet guy that I always feel like I wish I could actually hang out with Duncan in, in without just being. I, you can. I have no friends. <laughs> just tell me. Just tell me whenever you want. I'll come over. You should get me and Rob Kaczynski. Rob doesn't have any friends either. I, we'll just come hang out behind you. you whatever can, you're doing, we'll you, just sit there. We'll just stare at each other. We can come <laughs> and just stare at each other and talk about... We need to do like we need to do like Grandpa Gen X stuff and just sit around and talk about the old days of gaming. <laughs> when you had to... As those characters. Yeah, exactly. And you go, well, In all my this, day, all you had to voice. wind up your own computer. We just need to see if Kaczynski also has his, this, a similar old man character. <laughs> his could be like, a, well, I don't know. Then we'll just go, it's all this then. Like, he could be a what's all this then old old guy that's perfect uh thank you so much and thank you you know uh thank you for being open about stuff i i think you know people are obviously you know people want to make sure you're okay Ah, thank you all that stuff so thank you very much for letting letting me talk about things absolutely uh this brought this podcast is brought to you by burger king (laughs) burger apple Coming to a Burger King now. Get an Apple computer. By the good people at Shake Shack. <laughs> You're just saying that because you want Shake Shack to I send you I haven't been stuff. able to get to the friggin' line. It's too long. I can't get in there. I need my burgers. I told you, you need to, they, Shake Shack needs oh, to have yeah. guides like Disneyland. You pay front someone like five front grand. They give you a tour. They take you to the front of the line. They get you a burger, <laughs> and then you leave. That's what Shake Shack needs. Yep. Send, send them a goddamn burger, Shake Shack, please. Uh, thank you so much, Duncan Jones. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. 
Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his Fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.